One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, welcome back to my podcast. My name's Lorena and this is The Pooch. If you listen to my last episode, episode 12, I shared that I am pregnant. I have just come back from my um half, basically I'm halfway. Um from an appointment with my midwife. I shared, I believe I shared, yes, I did in the last podcast that I've had a bit of a a scare during my pregnancy. I had a threatened miscarriage. And so today's appointment was all about, you know, a follow-up on that and making sure that everything was fine, but also a discussion with the doctor about what my options are in terms of giving birth this time round. So I had an emergency cesarean with my daughter after almost four days of labor. I haven't shared my birth story and someone asked me to, so I'll probably make an episode about that soon. Um, I'm kind of reliving it all now that I'm having to have these conversations with the hospital. So probably a good time to to share it. Um, But just quickly, I had a, um, like I said, I had an emergency cesarean with my daughter after almost four days of being in labor. And because of that, um, my options uh, had to be discussed around how I would choose to labor this time round. And man, it's so funny because, you know, you always hear about person choosing Um, to have a vaginal birth after a cesarean and everything going fine I've never heard horror stories ever Um, or that people just decide okay well second time around I'm just going to have an elective cesarean because I've already got the scar there and blah 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 whatever and holy shit like talking to the doctor about what can what my risks are either way it really opened my eyes to how serious this is and I just feel like I just wanted to start this episode by saying I just feel like all this stuff gets so downplayed Um, and I'm not trying to be dramatic or anything but labor, giving birth, having a cesarean, they're all really huge experiences that we go through and you know in my case I've only had a cesarean, I I haven't had um, a vaginal birth before but I never thought about how major of a surgery it was at the time um, what's actually happening or happened to my insides now and what risks exist now either way I choose to give birth so obviously you know they they put you at ease and they say you know the, the chances of this and this happening are quite low but just the fact that that experience has now put me in, in a different risk factor to um, someone who hasn't had to have an emergency cesarean 
but also the you know there are risks that come with vaginal births that you know second time around you might have to factor in as well and it just I just left there thinking as a society we I mean every single person that you see walking around has come out into the world somewhere or another right they've been birthed somehow so we just feel like it's such a common thing that happens but when you really think about all the shit that goes on during that process and how we just survive it and come through the other side I just feel like man I wish I had more exposure to this when I was younger like you know I wish I think I shared in in another episode that I heard someone say once that you know in our culture um, you know particularly western culture the first birth we ever experience is our own which is quite traumatic if you think about it because in other cultures um, or in a lot more um, I guess tribal communities um, there is a shared experience of of birth so it's you know it, it might be in a culture where you know you, you grow up in more of a farm environment or whatever it might be people tend to um, labor at home children are present you know you witness the birth of your siblings of your nieces and nephews um, and so by the time yours comes around you've seen it before you've seen the good the bad and the ugly you see things go you know horrifically wrong or perfectly smoothly and you know that there's a spectrum of experiences whereas going through it yourself it's just like holy shit it's so it's such a big deal for it to be my first exposure anyway I just wanted to share that because I kind of walked out there going and once again you know these are the things that nobody talks about that it's like oh yeah had a cesarean first time natural birth second time all went well and it's just like wow like things can go like crazy wrong anyway so I'm I'm not shaken I'm actually excited (laughs) because I have more information I'm a person that loves to make you know I love information you know to make decisions on and you know when when I was pregnant with my daughter because I know I was conscious of the fact that I had never experienced labor in any you know even witnessed it I intentionally watched um one born every minute on like every single episode I could find because then at least it gave me a taste of how many varieties of birthing can happen um and there were some you know tragically tragic experiences in some cases there were some really easy experiences in others and there was everything else in between and I was so I was kind of submerged in that at the time so now I'm just like give me all the information talk to me about what can go wrong tell me about everything and then I walk out of there a little shaken but also a little excited um, about my own journey so today's episode episode 13 I wanted to talk about um, I guess the idea that I feel that we are conditioned not to share our truth particularly our struggles and our challenges um, and it's often for the sake of the comfort of others and I'm a little bit over it and I'd like to change that so I guess I'm questioning why does this conditioning happen why is it that we are kind of forced to act cool so that others don't feel uncomfortable when we in reality if we were to be sharing our struggles and sharing our challenges um, you know we could be supporting others to be exposed to more information and then I guess people being more informed and more aware of what can happen to them Um, but we do this all for the sake of the comfort of others so there were a few things that you know have come to me over the last few days 
that I thought might be relevant here. So the first one I mentioned in my last episode was about sharing the news of your pregnancy. So, you know, I guess traditionally we wait till the end of the first trimester to share um, because that's considered safe or at least a safer period once, you know, 12 weeks are up. Uh, your pregnancy is more likely to be you know lasting um the risks of miscarriage reduce and you have more information because you've had more scans and you you kind of understand where the pregnancy is at now i know for many people that is to protect them from having to talk about if things were to go wrong right so um, I know that that is a I'll, I'll choose to share things when I'm ready situation but for many people and for me particularly my first experience was um, I'm not going to share because if things go wrong then I don't want people to feel sorry for me I don't want to have those conversations where people are not knowing how to respond um, and I think now you know, now it kind of makes me think, geez, like if, if in the first few weeks something were to go wrong, what then? Would I not share it with the people around me? Would I actually be like, no, everything was fine. I wasn't pregnant in the first place. Do I have to suffer in silence? You know, not only not only the suffering in terms of nausea and exhaustion and all the shit that happens first trimester um, emotionally, hormonally, physically to you, but suffering in silence in terms of if things were to go wrong. You know, would I just have to pretend that I was never pregnant in the first place? Because for somebody like me, and maybe, yes, maybe that's just me. I am a, naturally an oversharer. But I just feel like I'm not I'm not going to do that stuff for the comfort of others. Because once again, I've only ever heard of successful pregnancies and every now and then a miscarriage. But, it, but you know, it, it's a rare conversation in, in my experience, in my world, you know. Um, and I just feel like, Part of that is because we we don't share the journey, the entire journey. We share when we know things are good. We share when we're more comfortable. And I just, I'm a little bit tired of suffering in silence. And I think um, if I then have to have a conversation with someone who goes, oh, how's everything going with the baby? And I have to turn around and say, look, I'm really sorry, but I have to tell you there's, you know, things went wrong. I don't want to have to feel bad about that discussion. So I don't know if that makes sense. And I don't know if it's just me that thinks that way. The other, the other thing is, um, I guess, having to stay low-key about challenges in pregnancy. So, challenges in terms of, once again, feeling sick during the first trimester or not, or beyond that. Like I think I've mentioned before, my first pregnancy, I felt nausea throughout and beyond. My daughter was born and I was still feeling nauseous, you know, three months postpartum. That, to me, is crazy. Um, lucky this time around that's not happening. But I did feel very, very sick for the first three, four months of this pregnancy. But staying low-key about those challenges, um, partly because others can't fall pregnant or others don't have the same experience as you do. And I just think I'm not talking here about being insensitive because I think that's, that's not very kind. But I don't think it's fair to expect people who are struggling um yes i've had a successful i'm successful in falling pregnant but i'm struggling in a different way i don't think it's fair to have to remain quiet i'm not going to you know approach someone who i know is struggling to fall pregnant and go by the way i'm pregnant oh my god it's horrible because that's that is really insensitive but in general 
I just feel like, you know, there's the sense that you have to kind of keep it low key or keep it, you know, to your close circle or keep it a bit quiet because some people can't fall pregnant. Um, the other thing is that not everyone's going to love being pregnant and I never realized that until being pregnant myself and that to me comes with a whole range of guilt and uh, like questioning myself shame you know I um I there are parts of my pregnancy that I enjoy but when I talk to or when I when I think about other people in my life that I know have had pregnancies more often than not the image that I have in my mind is this beautiful you know walking in the meadow kind of loving of pregnancy and not everyone's going to have that experience and I kind of wish I knew that before because then me questioning myself throughout pregnancy um, wouldn't happen so much you know there's a whole kind of struggle around the maternal identity I think I've spoken about it before you know it's not the topic of today but really understanding like what does it mean to be a mum and um, you know, if I if I do struggle with pregnancy, if I'm not madly in love with the feeling of being pregnant, does that make me less of a mum? Does that make me a shitty mum? Does that mean that I'm not going to be a good mum down the track? And I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, I think first time around has taught me a lot because I did struggle in my pregnancy. Um, I know others have had it much, much worse than me. I luckily never had to go you know to hospital because I couldn't stop throwing up or anything like that I didn't have those experiences but I did have a lot of nausea I was um, I put on you know a lot of water weight I had a lot of water weight towards the end I struggled to walk I struggled to sleep I was um, <laughs> I had reflux in, in in my sleep I had to sleep sitting all that yucky uncomfortable stuff and then questioning like if I don't love the bits that I love is feeling the baby move you know that's really exciting to me um, looking like a bit of a whale in a moo moo is not me you know enjoying myself I yep great that my hair grows faster great that you know I don't know it looks thicker whatever but I would I feel like I would trade that for the feeling of being physically uncomfortable I don't know but anyway my point is the shame that for me came with not being madly in love with feeling pregnant or with being pregnant would not have existed had I heard that I'm not the only one that doesn't necessarily love the feeling of pregnancy. This is another one that could be a little bit controversial and I was going to avoid talking about it, but I think I will. Um, and that is talking about any challenges to do with breastfeeding. And you know what? Here we are. I am questioning whether or not I should share because it could be controversial, but I know many people have had the same experience as me. So once again, I'm doing the same shit that I want different, that I want changed avoiding talking about challenges with breastfeeding because others can't breastfeed have had a really difficult time breastfeeding or because others choose not to that's that's for them that's fine and I respect that I admire that I all all the things but if I can't share with anyone around me challenges that I experience with breastfeeding then I feel completely isolated um, I know that there's an alternative to breastfeeding. I absolutely know that. Um, I know that you can choose to make those alternatives. You can choose to give your baby formula. Absolutely. And I respect that. But I, I feel like 
those of us who've had challenges with breastfeeding and I I didn't initially and I did sorry I, I had challenges initially and then things went well for me and and um they continue to I'm still breastfeeding my toddler very very hard when your boobs are absolutely freaking killing you mid-pregnancy so we're about to get to the end but I understand that people make their own choices and you know what as do I so I just feel like I avoid talking about it because I know that people think well you know it's your choice like you choose to breastfeed you don't have to breastfeed there's alternatives so suck it up buttercup because you know why why are you struggling unnecessarily I don't feel like it's unnecessary in my circumstances I just want my choice respected um but but I feel like often people choose to downplay that because you know you're made to feel a little bit stupid for struggling like if there's an alternative to breastfeeding well why you you know stop bitching and just do something else about it so I think that's another way that we kind of avoid sharing the full story um not so much for the comfort of others but absolutely because of the perspective of others partly yes the comfort of others if people um you know if other mothers have struggled with breastfeeding you know here you are going it hurts or I can't get the baby to latch or whatever whatever um talking to someone who was unable to produce enough milk or whatever it might be but I just feel like you know avoiding talking about that just makes it such much more of a negative experience than it needs to be. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for 20% off your first purchase. A lot can happen in 3 years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly 3 years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Okay, this next thing that I'm going to share, I feel like it could just be me. I tend to be a very... Um, I tend to be a very sensitive person and I have great concern for how I make others feel when I'm sharing things. I mean, this that's what this whole episode's about. But particularly about, you know, my beliefs to do with health, to do with nutrition, to do with whatever it might be. So 
when I talk about choices I make for my daughter, um, it might be to do with the food that she eats. Um, we've had, you know, she's very healthy. She's, she's amazing. Um, but there have been a bit of challenges around a bit of her gut health. Um, as a result, she has eczema. She has a couple of allergies. And so I'm super careful. My husband and I are super careful with her diet and you know I feel like before having a kid I would have been like you know don't don't deprive your kids so much from of you know the junk food because then they're gonna go and go wild and they're now at when I have a kid and I'm conscious I'm conscious of her health all the time but when I talk about the choices I make for my daughter I always somewhat insert a bit of a self-deprecating comment in there like I kind of bag myself out and I'll say oh I know I'm a super hippy dippy person but you know I'm avoiding giving her whatever food at the moment um and I I do that and I know that I do that because I'm so concerned that if the person that I'm talking to doesn't operate the way that I do let's say they've got kids and they don't think about health in the same way that I do I'm concerned that they may feel criticized by my choices. They may feel that I'm implying that they are not healthy or they are not as concerned about certain things as I am. Instead of just openly and honestly sharing my views, my beliefs, the fact that I've, you know, gone to see um, different specialists about different things and I've tried to gather some information so that I can try and help this issue with my daughter's um, gut and see if we can fix the eczema and all that kind of stuff Um, I worry more about the other person feeling criticized or feeling like I'm saying I wouldn't give my kid xyz without knowing for sure that that other person also doesn't give the you know what if, if let's say for example if I was to say which is not true by the way I do my daughter does eat chocolate <laughs> but if I was to say I would never give my child chocolate because of whatever reason I would only ever ever make that comment to somebody who I know for absolute certain thinks exactly the same way that I do because my my biggest fear would be that they feel criticized by my choices and because of that like I said, I tend to bag myself out when I'm having those discussions and and somehow, I don't know, it just it makes me feel belittled by myself and by the situation. And I hate it so much because I just, sometimes I just want to honestly share the situation and say, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to go down a really healthy path with her um, at least for the first few years so that, you know, I can set her up well. We had these complications when she was a baby. They've trickled into, you know, these other areas of her health. Um, It's nothing major, but these are the choices that I'm making. End of story. And so, like, to be able to have those discussions, let's say if I'm out and or, you know, at a party or something, without – like, people already kind of make the comments on my behalf and people are already like, oh, okay, you're one of those ones, are you? So I I almost jumped to it myself – so that they think that I also agree in a weird way yes I'm a hippie dippy weirdo yes uh, you know okay fine um and I just I don't like that because once again it stops me from sharing openly and honestly and every now and then like I might something might creep up in the conversation and 
when I do realize that I'm talking to someone who thinks like I do, I have such a sense of relief and I'm like, I can openly and honestly have this discussion with you. Um, but I would avoid it at all costs and I just, it's, it's not necessary because of another journey that I just don't need to be going through completely alone. This is the same with talking about um, choices in my pregnancy. Um, something as simple as not drinking alcohol, right? So, you know, research says blah, blah, blah about alcohol. Um, I choose not to have any, not a sip, not, I don't, like even lick a dot off my finger I'm not paranoid I just don't want it I don't I just feel like I'm more than comfortable to avoid it I don't feel the need to I just don't feel the need to have any and um, I feel personally and maybe this is gonna get controversial but yeah I I understand there's risks involved and I'm just not interested in it isn't for me it's not a measured risk I just don't want to take it that's all like end of story And once again, in sharing that, so let's say I'm out and I refuse to have, or even, you know, oh, you can have a glass. Like people say you can have a glass every now and then, or you can have like a, you know, a sip or half a drink or have, you know, like a small Corona or something like that. I feel more concerned that others would feel more judged by the fact that I've chosen not to, if they had had some alcohol during their pregnancy, um, then first saying this is the decision that I've made for myself like what's what of it kind of thing um I get mocked and I'm you know it's funny to me and this is the this is the shit that actually boils my blood a little bit because I can I can be mocked for making what I believe is a healthy decision but I wouldn't dare mock someone for something that I believe is an unhealthy decision I don't know if that makes sense. Like I wouldn't, I would never ridicule or criticize someone when they've made a decision for themselves that I'm like, oh, I wouldn't do that personally. I think that's actually a little bit unhealthy. I keep that to myself. I keep that shit locked down. But people are so comfortable to mock you when you make a decision for yourself that is about being healthier. Um, just like in general, you know, there are people who don't drink and I'm, I know that there have been times where I have encouraged, which is no good. And I'm open. Like I say it openly. Um, I would say, oh, come on, just have a drink. And it's not nice. I know that it's not nice. And I reflect on that big time um, now, but I just feel like it's, it's the same situation. It's like mocking someone for not drinking alcohol in general, when it's a decision that they've made for themselves but if you were to be mocked for drinking alcohol, you know, oh, you've kind of had one too many. People would be like, are you are you kidding me? Are you actually commenting on how much alcohol that person's drinking? You know, in, in an equally open environment, in an equally open space. So anyway, I just feel like once again, you know, my choices in my pregnancy, um, I kind of keep on the lockdown a little for the sake of not making others feel judged because I think what I'm doing is healthy. Um, that also has to do with labor. Like if I've had conversations about what I hope for my labor experience, and now that I've had one experience with labor, holy shit, I'm so aware that it can literally be no more than just a hope, <laughs> a distant hope in the background, because the reality of giving birth and the plan that I had in my first experience was like they couldn't not be further apart 
But before I had my daughter, my plan was to have a water birth, drug free, and just, you know, completely just feel the motions, go through the whole thing. And that is absolutely not what happened. It, that went out the window very quickly because of complications with my labor. And that's fine. Um, but even when I was having conversations back then about what I was hoping to do, I would mock myself against, oh, I know I'm, it's a hippy dippy experience. I know, you know, because I wouldn't want people to feel judged if they had decided I'm going to go in knowing that I'm going to have an epidural, for example. I ended up having one. So now, you know, in hindsight, you know, I know exactly what it feels like. So I ended up having one. But my point is that I, you know, I didn't want to even mention what I had hoped would be my my labor journey because I would feel that others might take my wishes for a completely drug-free natural water birth which never happened um to be me deciding that that's better than what they might have had which is uh, an epidural an elective caesar whatever it might be and it's it's absolutely not it's just the choice that i i want to freaking make for myself and i just think there are so many times where i feel like i've got to hold back my views or hold back my experiences um, hold back my truth so that others don't feel judged or uncomfortable or have to face a conversation that's awkward because, you know, I I want to breastfeed my child despite the fact that, you know, other people think, well, it's ridiculous, you know, just just do what's best, you know, you're, you're having difficulties just, you know, formula fit, whatever it might be. I just want to have those open, comfortable conversations. I want to live my journey and I want, I think, personally to be much more beneficial to more people if we all shared openly our truth um our views our and you know you can you can have polar opposite perspectives and still respect the other's view you know i have such i have such an issue with the debate of breast is best versus fed is best because that is it that simplifies shit so much and it makes people muzzle themselves in terms of sharing their experience their preferences their beliefs whatever it might be because one side is saying you know breast is best um which makes many people feel judged and make many people feel depressed about or you know frustrated about their personal experience and the other sa- side is saying fed is best and and I find that a little bit frustrating too because I'm like no one's implying not to feed the baby <laughs> you know I know that what we're saying here is if if breast is not possible obviously the baby is being fed so basically shut up um, I just think those kind of battles and you see them all the time online every any kind of discussion about breastfeeding or whatever it might be you see them online and instead of people openly being able to share, well, this is my belief, this is my truth, this is how my experience, people either go hard and abuse the shit out of each other or shut down and not share. Like I don't openly, this is the first time I discuss it at all. Um, I don't openly share those things because I'm concerned about those battles or those, you know, challenges to your your experiences and your beliefs. And it is such an 
such a personal thing. Like I, you know, for me personally, I chose to breastfeed, which comes with pain, with, you know, uh, in the beginning, cracked nipples, all that kind of stuff, which comes with um, potentially getting up more often during the night because your baby's less full than if it had had formula, blah, 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 which means that I can't really hand over the reins to anyone else. My daughter never took the bottle. So it was literally, you know, boob all the time. And I just want to share that struggle without kind of feeling, I don't know, like stupid about it. I don't know. I just, I just think like there's a whole range of issues that come with it. And when, when I'm approached and kind of told, well, don't be ridiculous you know, fed is best. I'm like, I, I do acknowledge that. Yes, I do agree that not starving a baby is probably better. But this is the choice that I've made. And I don't feel like being challenged on it because it's the choice that I've made for me and my baby. Kind of like, you know, end of story, really end of story. Um, so anyway, I just, this episode to me is important because once again, it really ties back into the whole purpose of my podcast, which is about taking the pressure off you know, really just focusing on living a real experience of being a first time mom or, you know, pregnancy or the whole freaking journey so that, you know, it, it in a way passing it forward. And I, I know that sounds really lame and cheesy, but if I share my truth and my experience and I give one out of billions real picture of what can happen and what does exist, um, I think it can help others not feel so isolated during their own struggles. Um, so I'm I'm so committed to sharing. And if it's oversharing, I don't give a shit, to be honest. Because I just think, once again, I just don't want people to feel that sense of isolation and what the hell's wrong with me when everyone else can have a perfect pregnancy or everyone else has their shit together. Everyone else has their life in order. And I'm here on my own, struggling with a messy house and... <laughs> not knowing who the hell I am as a mum. And I just don't want that anymore. So I'm sharing. Um, but I think, you know, these these situations where we feel like we have to downplay our truth or kind of, you know, not reveal things too much for the sake of others just contributes to the problem in the first place. Anyway, we've come to the end of the episode. I just want to remind you to trust your gut. Be kind to your pooch. Mine is growing. Who the hell knows what the state of her is going to be like in what, like four and a bit months time. That is too freaking soon and I'm a little bit freaking scared. But um, I'll catch you next time. Bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.